1: It's time for a word association game. So what's the first thing that pops into your mind when I say, Aligote? Did you think, Kier? By the end of this episode, I hope you'll have a few other knee-jerk words that come to mind when you hear about Aligote. Because there's just one goal with this episode, and that's to reveal some secrets of Aligote in the hopes that you'll increase your appreciation of it. But first, let's step back in time to see if history repeats itself. We're in the early 1500s, and the medieval era is surging full force into the Renaissance. Opera has not yet been invented, the piano is still 150 years into the future, and the violin is in its infancy, just becoming popular. For the first time, sunflowers arrive in Europe from North America. The pocket watch is invented, And this will go on to revolutionize timekeeping by bringing minutes to each person. No longer will there be a communal dependence on bell towers. A giant earthquake disrupts Constantinople. Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel ceiling has just been revealed. Leonardo da Vinci is in his stride. Around this time, Martin Luther breaks with the Catholic Church and founds Lutheranism and shakes up the religious order of Europe. It's a time of great change, with a sense of tradition that pushes many to cling to the past, mixed with this unbreakable, palpable force of a new era. And just as old ideas reinvented and refreshed themselves in the Renaissance, a similar renewal occurred in vineyards. And there, to taxonomize it all, was Hieronymus. In the early 1500s, two Hieronymus bachs roamed the earth, one was a Dutch painter, whose trippy paintings still captivate us today. And the other, Hieronymus Bach, was a German botanist who recorded and organized plants. In his book, Groeterbuch, about plants, he writes about Riesling, Elbling, and he mentions what we think is a reference to Gouet Blanc. Gouet Blanc was one of a few popular grape varieties that, in Hieronymus' day, had been around for at least a thousand years. Pinot, Sauvignon, and Gouet Blanc. These staples of the past were fertilizing one another and creating new grape varieties. Around this time, Pinot Noir and Gouet Blanc, they got together to make Chardonnay. And sometime during the next 200 years, before the early 1700s, Pinot Noir and Gouet Blanc got together again and created another grape. We'll get to its name in a moment. In medieval times, Gouet Blanc went by many names in the various kingdoms. One of its names was Gott, And can you guess the name of the new grape variety Pinot Noir and Gotte made after Chardonnay? That's right. Aligote. Aligote. And there we have one etymological theory about where Aligote got its name. But back to the parent. Though popular way back when, Gouet Blanc had a bad rep even at what may have been the height of its popularity. In Hieronymus's Kreuterbuch from 1539, he minced no words when he described the grape variety as having fast growth and named a shit grape by some. Ooh, the pruning gloves are off. After several bands and centuries of a bad reputation, Gouet Blanc is rarely found in France, though you can find some Gouet Blanc in Switzerland and tiny amounts in the Rheingau and in Piemonte under various synonyms. So this parent of Aligote, Gouet Blanc, it gave big, fast crops, and after an extended popularity, it faded into the world of obscure grape varieties. Aligote may have suffered the same fate if it hadn't been for a few great winemakers who refused to turn their backs on this special grape. But especially in Burgundy, it's difficult to analyze Aligote on its own merits, Because it's always in the same arena, vying for plots and land, fighting for status and glory, with Chardonnay, like rival siblings. And more than just a metaphor, Aligote and Chardonnay are actual siblings. They share those same parents of Pinot Noir and Gouet Blanc. And even this parentage seems to echo the current state of affairs. Chardonnay seems to embody the superstar qualities of Pinot Noir. Both are now planted the world over, praised, and enjoyed everywhere. And though Gouet Blanc was a workhorse grape during the Middle Ages and was popular among the masses, but not really considered to be a fine, high-quality grape, you don't see too much of it today. And in this tale of two grapes, Chardonnay has prevailed in part because of politics. While Burgundy's AOC system has revolutionized the wine world, it's had a chilling effect on Aligoté, relegating the grape to regional wine. And though there are a handful of exceptions that we'll get to shortly, Aligoté cannot carry the name of a village, Premier, or Grand Cru site, and they must simply be labeled Bourgogne Aligoté, no matter where in Burgundy they hail from. This means that an owner of a Grand Cru or Premier Cru site is usually better off in the market planting Chardonnay or Pinot Noir so they can claim the appellation status of their land investment. Aligoté has quite literally been pushed to the edges and outside the lines. And there's a psychological aspect to the name Bourgogne Aligoté. Because Aligoté is named by a varietal and not a village or region, it sends this subconscious cultural message that drinking Aligoté is about drinking grape, not place. And this feeds an underlying sentiment that Aligoté cannot transmit terroir. And that's the root of this notion that Aligoté is inferior to Chardonnay, that it's only good for cures. I wanted to dive into the fray of Aligoté. So I headed to Burgundy to find out more. And a quick note, throughout this Aligote journey, you'll hear my voice, and you'll also hear the voice of my traveling companion, Rachel Signer, who was kind enough to translate some key ideas along the way. So first, let's examine the past. Many Vignerons remember a time when there was a lot more Aligote in the area. Roland Rappé, whose winemaking heyday was in the 70s and 80s, he remembers a time when aligote grew on Corton. When we pulled up to the tasting room, Roland sat by a barrel with a bottle of Pernan Virgile's Premier Cru that he helped get Premier Cru status for, and also some Corton. We had arrived a little early, so we grabbed some glasses and joined him as we waited for his son Vincent to come from the cellar. In
2: votre santé. In votre santé, monsieur.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: ah, voilà. mm. Santé. Santé, mm-hmm. y there was some not bad of oh. fifty years ago. Ça petit petit. Little by little they took it out. Oui. Début repas, quoi. How You would have it at the beginning of a meal. Aperitif. Oui. 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 And why no
0: more? Mais il était tout arraché? Ah oui. C'était arraché. C'était des vieilles vignes et
4: ils ont été arrachés. He
3: took out all the old vines.
1: Soon, Vincent joined us and he gave us his take.
4: No, it's finished. We don't have anigoté in uh, Corton-Chamay. It's, it's uh, in very old, old uh, vine. But it's not because it's... Uh, it's not uh, authorised with uh, the book of the charge. Before, in Pernan Vergeles, you can find my aligoté everywhere. You, you can, uh, when I was young, you have also, Corton, in the Corton-Charlemagne, Sometimes uh, some feet of aligoté. We don't uh, we don't take the same way as Bozeron. Bozeron takes the way aligoté, he plant aligoté everywhere. Pernon uh, before, in my... Uh, Faster work, you have many aligotés, but the chose was uh, with the chardonnay. Uh, donc, uh, uh, before, the aligoté is everywhere. After, it's only on the, on the top. You want to taste all uh, aligotés?
2: Oui, yes? oui. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Vincent shared a 2010 and a 2015 aligoté with us, explaining that the 10 was a high acid year, so it was drinking nicely now. And the 15 was a richer year, so it had less acid, and was also drinking nicely now. And is this uh, pronounced visually?
4: Now we have 50%, Mm. 50% on the top, and 50% here, on the nivel village, uh, and all vine. Uh, uh, We have also aligoté in the village, In this, but now it is finished. It is here on the parcel of Pernon Vergelès. I have a ligoté. Uh, But uh, now we give the the bread. Voilà, araché. We pulled it out. After we plant, in one year, two years, we plant Chardonnay.
1: Then Vincent took us to the fermenting room and the cellar. And the fermenting room was this incredible space that had accidentally been built. To the exact specifications of one of the world's most perfect acoustic environments. It was amazing. Now, a lot of people play music to their wine in the vineyard or in the cellar, and if there's anything at all to acoustic vibrations and wine, there's definitely something going on here. I couldn't help but record a quick round.
4: We like uh, cement because uh, you keep the cold the warm
1: so good for singing It's like an acapella dream in there, so just keep that in the back of your mind because later we'll hear from another winemaker who talks about the unique influences on a wine during its fermentation. So it was time to say goodbye to the rapais. Ciao. But a few important themes run through their experience with Aligote. They've seen plantings migrate in the last fifty years from Grand and Premier Cru places to village sites and hilltops. They planted it at the tops of the hills, saving the prime real estate for Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And this is representative of a larger trend. Aligoté isn't going away so much as it's being pushed to lesser real estate. There are still just about under 2,000 hectares of Aligoté in Burgundy, and many producers use Aligoté as an acid blender, particularly in Cremant de Bourgogne. Still, you sense a nostalgia for the days when Alicoté grew on the best plots, like Corton. Jean-Charles Lebou de La Moriniere, who makes Grand Cru Corton, pines for the one-ish hectare or so of Corton Alicoté that was pulled up in the 1960s. Becky Wasserman has shared a few bottles of these old Corton Alicotés, surprising many people with a blind taste of them. it's really fun to run into great producers who unapologetically make aligoté. Next, we headed up to Pomard to meet with Fanny Sabra. Hello.
3: Hi, Fanny. Fanny. Nice, yeah, nice to meet you. Enchanté. Enchanté. Enchanté.
1: <clears throat> She makes a wide variety of white and red burgundies, and she also makes an Aligoté. Ah, oui. ah.
3: Aligoté. This aligoté is not a traditional aligoté because in 2015 it was very, very hot. So it's um, solaire. Uh, Sunny. Voilà, sunny, very sunny. I adore aligoté. For me, it's uh, Chardonnay, it's more boring. Aligoté, it's very um, uh, pétillant. Uh, I like the acidity of uh, aligoté. Uh, when I said I like when it's simple, and for me aligoté is very simple. When it's good, it's like a chardonnay. Uh, you understand? Voilà. It's not a small, small wine. Some people say aligoté, ah, ah it's, not, uh, it's not interesting, but when you have a very good aligoté, like a bouseron, like uh, you have, uh, I think it's better, uh, because it's more complex for me. And you have a better balance in an aligoté from a chardonnay. Chardonnay it's for me it's so uh, sweet. I like when it's mineral and acidity. And in aligoté I have this. And uh, Aubert de Vilaine, uh, Pierre de Benoît, Domaine de Villene, Vilaine made a lot of work from aligoté and uh, I say thank you because aligoté it's it's uh, When it's good, it's perfect for me.
1: I stopped by La Dilettante in Bone. This is Lolo Brelan's wine bar, where you can find a great selection of charming wines. Lolo had a similar take about the expressiveness of Aligoté. The
5: the Aligoté is like the Chenin, like the Riesling, like the, the Savagnin is a really great grape. And uh, with a lot of complexity, the problem of the aligoté uh, is a bad reputation, but it's really good from the really nice producers, definitely. Because the aligoté, you, you you need uh, like every grapes, a lot of attention. You so need you need to work a lot. If you think that uh, we we say the expression in France, uh, the the fifth wheels of the of the you know the car, you you, you will join something uh, not really uh, interesting and good. But if that's really uh, uh, something for you important, and you will try to make a, a great bottle of wine with that. That could be a uh, really, uh, really good. But the problem is the, the reputation. It's not allegote. It's not. It's the reputation of the the aperitif wine. You know something you you blend with the, the black blackcurrant cream, for example, for the key So it's it's not a, a good reputation. But
3: we'll change that.
1: Most allegote from Burgundy is simply. Orgogna Aligoté. So by looking at the bottles, you'd have no way of knowing that Rouleau's Aligoté is from Mersot and Fanny Sabra's Aligoté is from Pomar. Despite the fact that terroir does have a great impact on Aligoté. You,
3: you, you need some terroir for Aligoté. And I think here in Pomar we have a very good terroir and powerful terroir. So the Aligoté is good in Pomar.
1: You could point to Sylvan Patai in Marcinay as one of the primary champions of terroir-driven aligoté.
6: Aligoté on good terroirs is excellent. Main slopes just behind the church. We won't go under...
1: Petai is known for his aligoté, and he's one of the newer generation winemakers who's really helped to create a new space for aligoté in Bourgogne. He lets his aligotés go through malolactic fermentation completely, because he believes they need this to counteract the bitterness that you can sometimes get from aligoté on limestone soils.
6: Because because I don't use sulfur, and, and because in the area it's always better with monolactic. Due to limestone, we have soils that give strength, that give bitterness to the mind. And uh, it's usual. It has always been like this. And, and you know, in, uh, in new vinification ways... Uh, especially uh, in bigger states or big wineries, sometimes uh, are, they are often much more technical than we are. And I could be because it's my job. I know this way, but I don't like it. I want the most natural wines as possible. When I was a logist, some clients wanted me to, to stop the analytics and it's easy. Sure. But uh, yeah. there's always less complexity.
1: And... Pataille laments the changing landscape of Aligoté and Bourgogne.
6: Until 20 years. There were many Aligotés in all the slopes. But sure. they, yeah, but they have been replaced to plant uh, Chardonnay and Pinot. It's a sham. It's really a sham. Because Aligotés in those slopes are impressive.
1: Can you talk a little bit about Aligoté and the history in this area?
6: It has been planted in them. In Marsana especially because we are close to the town and in the past it was uh, in the past. So the past is uh, end of the 19th and beginning of uh, 20th century. Um, transport was difficult and it was just by horse or by foot. And we were the closest uh, village from Dijon. And it, permit to, it has permitted to, to sell more wine... And it's for this reason many vines were planted with Gamay for the reds and uh, Aligoté for the whites. And Gamay on limestone here is uh, very... It's not bad, but it's never good. And it has been replaced and it was a big mistake in Burgundy. Gamay shouldn't be planted. Beaujolais, up. Gamay is, uh, is great over there. But, uh, but Aligoté of Limestone is great. It's, uh, and you know, I won't try this wine, but Becky Wasserman has tried a, a 90s, 1967 Charlemagne pure Aligoté from Boulogne de Marte. And it was Im- incredible.
1: And just a quick aside, Pattaya is talking about an Aligoté that Becky Wasserman poured him blind. And this came up a few times during my trip. At lunch, I ran into a sommelier friend, Hytron who related a story about how Becky loved blinding people on these old, beautiful allegotes.
3: I mean, she was just telling me how, like, she loved, like, blind tasting, you know, either professionals or other, her peers, on this particular wine, and how
2: everybody was calling it different things. They were calling it, you know, like, Grand Cru sites, or calling it, you know, maybe, like, you know, maybe Premier Cru, maybe that,
3: and, and
2: she revealed, it, and
6: was like, nope, it's Aligoté, and they're just completely floored that as something
4: so... Low in what can be considered so, can express itself in such a, a richness and depth and flexi
2: ink and can last for salon. so long.
4: <laughs> so, that was a crazy story. I, 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 I literally just walked into her <laughs>
5: about this and I was like,
6: what? Um, because in Pernon, there was very much. It's, uh, it's a place where oligotine was, was planted everywhere uh, with Chardonnay, but uh, there are many pure, pure batches of oligotine in Pernon. There were. They are not anymore. And it's a shame because it's a very good terroir for Aligoté. And as this way, many wines have been planted, but uh, it is degreasing very quickly because of uh, business, because mitteners don't care with this variety. It-
1: Patay is a classic example of, if you build it, they will come. He made single terroir Aligote bottlings back when there was zero market for such a thing. And over a decade or so, he now has a tiny but very dedicated following. More importantly, his approach is changing the way people look at Aligoté and Marcenet, just as De Benoit and De Villain have changed the way people look at Aligoté in Buzeron.
6: It's difficult to sell it, or oh, no, it was difficult, because in the last five, ten years, many things have changed. I've tried to, to see pairs the Liadis uh, until 2002, and at the beginning, I didn't succeed uh, to, to do anything. It was impossible. Nobody wanted to buy some different télégis, just one. Yes, but it's changing and it's changing very very quickly. And it's good. It's good because many many vintners uh, want it to be to be the best and Pierre Moret in don't uh, around. Yeah, with 100 years old vines, they are great. And they are incredible. <coughs>
1: Okay, oh, yeah. <clears throat> that
6: last wine, can you talk about how you identified it? In the walls. So it's made with a Chamforé, vines in this place. But with the oldest vines from Chamforé, they are 78 years old. The oldest one was planted in the 30s. And um, they are made with long, uh, as all the whites, but with long pressings, especially on vertical presses, with five, six hours. Normally no decanting. Cause they don't need there are no bugs with those processes. Uh they have stayed in barrels for the leaves for one year and six months more in the tanks. And
1: what are you doing with your leaves? The leaves? Yeah, you just leave them there.
6: Yeah. And to I use them? Yeah, it depends on uh and when I use buttonage it's just because the wine is going to oxidization. Uh I w- I move the lees in December January when the cellar goes down when the temperature goes down, just once or twice, just to protect the wine to avoid the lees to be reduced on the wine at the top to be oxidized, just to it's a sort of mixing of oxidization. And after after winter the the wine has obtained more resistance to oxygen, so we don't move it anymore. And it has been bottled with no filtration on the uh, two thirds of the tank, and the bottom has been filtered and have uh, been blended. I mean, it's to avoid uh, uh, the decantation, it's always clearer on the top. So before bottling, I work as, as long as it's clear, and I just filter a small quantity uh, on the bottom of the, the tank.
5: <coughs>
6: the, the old vertical presses, I yeah, have four ones. The old ones? Click, 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 click. No, oh, yeah, but uh, perfect, excellent. <laughs> it needs time, but uh, the juice is not the same. Not at all. It's Aligoté from Charmeau one of Charme. Charmeau one of the best parcels in Martinique. La Prêtre, especially very good for the whites. You'll see that it's a big mistake to say that Aligoté uh, doesn't express his terror. because the first one was Aligoté from Chamoupret. The vine was planted in 1949, and uh, the next wine will be Aligoté from Caudurand, planted in 32. Chamoupret is made of marls and clay. The wines are always strong. Spicy, with bitterness, with ginger, warmers. And clodura is very different with a choke, 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 choke. So it's warm and fresh, warm and mineral.
5: Would you be able to estimate how many hectares of Aligoté are in Marseille <laughs> or do you
6: know? Maybe four, four, five, Maybe 30, 40, 20 years ago, but uh, much, much less.
1: Patay has been doing his single vineyard Aligote thing for a while now. He's really been an inspirational force for this sort of new wave of Aligote. So, if you're catching the scene thus far, we've got these factions. We've got this tension between low quality Aligote producers who contribute to Aligote's bad rep and who are working mostly with Aligote Vert. Then we have these classicists who appreciate Aligote but they don't invest too much time or money in it. And then there's great producers who nurture Aligoté against all practical and financial odds into beautiful bottlings, despite the relegations of Bourgogne Aligoté. But there's one other faction. There's Bouzeron. Bouzeron is like this alternate universe in Burgundy, where Aligoté can be free. It's literally a parallel world where Aligoté is grown everywhere and takes a place name, and Chardonnay is declassified to Bourgogne Blanc. It's like opposite land. For decades, there's been excitement about Aligoté in Buzeron. In 1979, the Bourgogne Aligoté de Buzeron AOC was created to fit within the Bourgogne Aligoté AOC. Then, in 1998, Spearheaded by the Develaines at A&P the new Bouzeron AOC simplified things, and it became a place where producers could bottle Aligoté under the commune name. Opposite of most of Burgundy, Aligoté makes up the Bouzeron AOC, and Chardonnay grown in the same area takes the more regional name of Bourgogne Blanc or Bourgogne Côte Chalonnaise AOC. Pierre de Benoit makes wines at A&P including their aligoté from Bouzeron. I popped in to visit Pierre and to see what he was up to. Oh, it's gorgeous. Wait. Uh, bonjour! For me, one of the most exciting takeaways from this trip was more clarity on the different types of alligote. Pierre de Benoit has been instrumental in highlighting the variety of alligote plant material in Burgundy. Specifically, he distinguishes between alligote doré an alligote vert or golden alligote versus green alligote with the alligote alligote vert Aligoté alligote are they different clones like and how many clones do you come across
7: at the domaine de villene zero clones we use only a massal selection created a few years ago by my uncle first of all and then i continue um, uh, this this selection selection massal from my oldest Aligoté, which is about 115 years old. Voilà. And in 19 and uh, 12 years ago, I decided to create a conservatory from this very old uh, vine of Aligoté Doré. And after a few years, I am the president of the, of the Bourbon Appellation. I decided to propose to the other vigneron, to, um, to help me and to participate to this, uh, to this uh, uh, project of conservatory. And they accepted, and now we have a conservatory. Uh, we planted the, sele- the massal selection uh, four years ago, and the first production was last year. Last year of this, uh, we have maybe uh, eight selections of Faligote, only okay. from Bouzon only from Bouson. voilà it is important. It means at the Domaine, uh, we don't use some clonal selection, and the, the, the selection from uh, Domaine de Villaine um, comes come from only only the, with the idea to preserve the, the link between the terroir and, and the grape varietal.
1: There were a few producers I spoke with who, incidentally, they didn't seem that excited about their Aligoté. And I'd ask if they were working with Vert or Doré and I'd get a confused look like, what are you talking about? So it seemed to me like the distinguishment between vert and doré is something that is not pervasive throughout Burgundy yet. Those producers who were very excited about their aligoté, though, they spoke fluently on their vert versus doré plantings and what the difference meant to them. No one I spoke to specifically said that doré is a clone and vert is a clone. From what I gathered, aligoté doré and vert are different strains of aligoté, possibly with clonal variation within each strain. What's the difference between them? Well, there's definitely a higher skin-to-pulp ratio with Aligoté Doré. Everyone who works with Doré points out the small berries.
2: This type of Aligoté gives little grapes.
6: All the old vines are very very interesting with some small berries. uh...
1: Doré has more bunches, but smaller bunches and smaller grapes, for the most part. Doré is the kind of aligote that used to grow in Burgundy 80 years ago and before. So when you're working with 80- to 115-year-old aligote vineyards, they are usually aligote doré, and they are usually massal selection. Aligote verte is mostly younger vineyards comprised of monoclonal plant material from nurseries, which doesn't quite grow like massal aligote doré. Levy spoke with Anne Moret of Domaine Pierre Moret and Maison Moret Blanc. They have both clonal Aligoté vert and Massal Aligoté doré in different parcels. She says, Doré can sometimes be a little pink or dark golden in color. Doré has more bunches but smaller bunches and smaller grapes. Aligoté vert has less berries but bigger grapes. And Aligoté vert has green berries. She also says that Aligoté vert can be very interesting if you get it ripe and you don't let it produce too much. Pierre has really driven an effort in Buzeron to focus on Aligoté-Doré. Despite the clear differences in the vineyard between Vert and Doré, I can't help but wonder if the vast difference between Aligoté-Vert and Doré is more style or genetics. If Pierre, for instance, carefully tended some Vert in Buzeron, cropped it lower, and treated it with care, just how different would it taste from Aligoté-Doré? And I think the answer will truly be revealed as more producers work with both Vert and Doré, vinify them the same, and are then able to highlight the distinct differences between them. Also, with Doré comprising most of the older vineyards and Vert most of the younger, how much of the perception of complexity between the two varieties comes from vine age? I got the notion that Doré was revered a bit by the producers who were working with these old vines. And I also got the feeling that people were a little wary about Aligote Vert, but true Aligoté fanatics wanted to give Vert a chance. But at this stage, how fair is it to compare a wine from a hundred-year-old vineyard of Doré with a twenty-year-old vineyard of Vert? To me, it just seemed that ultimately we're at the very beginning of understanding the complex nuances of the different types of Aligoté in Burgundy. I'd be curious to see in-depth genetic studies and some comparative bottlings by the same producer, made the same way, of Vert and Doré of similarly aged vineyards. And there's also the question of fermentation making the wines taste different. Most people growing cheap, high-volume Aligoté vert, they're putting it in a tank. But it seemed to me that among the producers making great Aligoté, there was more interest in barrels and wood influence. Rappé used 20% barrel mixed with 80% echo-aged tank. <laughs> he could easily have done all tank, but he felt that some barrel age was necessary. Pierre uses wood for his Aligoté doré. He uses large foudras. They're huge. He likes these large foudras because the fermentation in the vessel creates a movement in the wine that's similar to the number eight. Well, I'll let him explain.
7: And, uh, we 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 are the only domain to to use uh, to, to the, the, the foudre and uh, and for me, you know, in foudre. As I told you, the plant of aligoté is very tonic. It can, propose, uh, it can uh, produce uh, a lot of leaves, a lot of wood, big grapes, and if you want to manage that, um, it, pardon, it means the plant is very active, very tonic. We have a big, vegetal energy. And if you want to preserve this energy, you can't work the aligoté, the golden aligoté, in a small, uh, small, uh, how do you say, a small tank, a small barrels, and we decided, after a lot of experimentations, to vinify the bouchon only in foudre. And for me, when you can vinify bouchon in foudre during the alcoholic fermentation, you have two rounds in formation thanks to the gas, uh, the question of the gas. And these two rounds, two rounds, yes, represents the number eight. And for me, the number eight is a, in, it's a magic number, and uh, in numerology. Uh, the number eight is a sign of the mortality, of the infinity. Infinity. And maybe for for me the wine, it's a lot of memories. You know, it's uh, it's uh, memories of uh, of a terroir, memory of a uh, uh, savoir faire and uh, hand making, uh, um, a memory of the water which existed a few million years ago, a memory of the fruit, and maybe the memory of this number. It means it's it's like me when I was uh, twenty twenty years old. I thought I was immortal. Unfortunately, not. I'm not. And Maybe the wine, they are young. And the food, they are very young. And so maybe they, they think they are very, very, immortal thanks to this number, you know? Because it's a because they remembered this number. And this is maybe the reason why we don't need to add a lot of suffering to the wine, especially to the boson, because they are the memory of this, of this um, immortality or Infinity, well, maybe. Because don't forget, the, for me, in the wine, the fruit no. is dead. You don't have any more fruit on the wine. No. Uh, you have only the memory of the fruit. You are not here today to taste some fruit salad from grapes, from from, yeah, from fruit. Uh, no, you are here to taste some wine with memory of the fruit. The fruit is not only the the only way to produce some wine, the only way to taste the wine, you have the fruit, the memory of the fruit, and another thing, and this another thing is a good balance between the tannins, between the acidity, the dry extract, the alcohol, of course, and the the soul of the wine, which comes from the terroir, which comes from uh, the sky, which comes from the different energy, uh, the mineral mineral energy from the soil, the vegetal energy from the the, the plant, the the astral energy from the from the from the sun from the moon and the animal energy my energy if you consider me as an animal and all animals which can uh, uh, which can live die die yes mm-hmm. or, or just cross the vineyard if you have these four energy in, in, in your wine the, the wine will be very very alive it's not enough to produce a good wine a qualitative wine the uh, it needs to be to be alive too.
3: It's like a 4x4. It's like a 4x4, it goes everywhere. Well. Ouais. <laughs> voilà. C'est sympa, <some> <laughs> ça. <laughs> Pourquoi c'est ça? Non, mais c'est vrai. Uh, fish, uh, chicken... Uh.
7: And you know, more and more people want clients, more no. Tester. testers, want to taste, want to drink some wine very fresh, very mineral, with a beautiful salinity, which makes the wine very digest. Uh, they want this kind of wine, especially for white, and uh, the Aligoté, thanks to the Bouzon Appellation proposes that yeah. without problem. More, maybe more than the Chardonnay.
1: In addition to Buzeron, there's one other exception. There's a very special vineyard that's allowed to make premier cru aligoté.
6: But there's a small exception in Côte de Nuit, it's in Domaine Ponceau, Morée Premier Cru, Montlouisant. Domaine Ponceau in Morée Saint-Denis, it is a, a big estate, famous, famous estate, see some Morée Premier Cru, les Montlouisants, with aligoté. And it has been like this for a so long period on... An administration in Neo uh, didn't say anything for a long time, so they have succeeded to keep this, uh, this appellation.
1: And there's the alligote of Frederick Lafarge, who works with Aligoté Doré. Let's revisit Levy's conversation with Lafarge from March 2017.
0: And it's really not possible to talk to Lafarge without talking about Aligoté,
2: because you make a, a good one. So tell me a little bit about the Raison Doré. We have lucky because my grandfather planted uh, this aligoté with a selection massal of uh, the domain uh, 77 years old. And it's a very good selection of aligoté doré. And, uh, aligoté doré is a selection of a type of aligoté. And this type of aligoté gives little grapes. And maturity, the grapes are very golden. And, uh, and we have the other type of aligoté, the green aligoté. And green aligoté produces big grapes and aligoté with a lot of uh, acidity. But uh, we we are lucky, and Aligoté Doré is uh, the maturity of Aligoté is later than the maturity of Pinot and Chardonnay. And with uh, global warming, at the end of the harvest, the maturity of Aligoté Doré is not uh, perfect. And we harvest uh, the Aligoté Doré between eight to twelve, to fifteen days after the end of the harvest, when the phenolic maturity of the Aligoté Doré is perfect. And uh, very good grapes and Aligoté is an uh, old sepage of Burgundy and he stays in Burgundy and uh, uh, he gives wine uh, with a lot of charm, very good aroma, very good balance and always is very good. When you are in bottle, uh, you, you open and you have a lot of pleasure and if you keep, uh, it's very, very good. In summer, we keep with Chantal and the and children and the uh, Aligoté Dore 2009, and it's uh, wonderful today. Yes, but if, if you drink young, uh, it's uh, very good too. That's very surprising that you harvest at the last. That, uh, yeah, that that's the last thing you harvest. But uh, it's necessary to choose the best, uh, the best moment uh, with uh, the best uh, phenolic maturity for uh, yes. And many people are, uh, discovery Aligoté, and it's a very uh, good charm, and you have a, a lot of a little uh, vivacity with a freshness, and it's a very uh, tonic wine. And uh, yes, what percentage of Aligoté
0: in Burgundy would you predict is doré?
2: I don't know, but, uh, now, uh, many domains, uh, in Bouseron, uh, Pierre de Benoit have, uh, only, uh, Aligoté Doré, and, uh, his Aligoté, uh, in Bouseron is, uh, marvelous. I, uh, he's a very good friend, and, uh, I love uh, his Bouseron, uh, too. And I say in uh, Meursault, more so Anne Moret, uh, Aligoté Doré, Sylvain Pataille, uh, made Aligoté Doré une Marsanette too. Uh, and but uh, many young domain or young people is interested with a uh, very good Aligoté Doré, and it's very very good for the Burgundy. So do you think that as
0: global warming becomes more pronounced, that there might be more interest in Aligoté Doré? Yes. I see. That's very interesting.
2: Yes, we have uh, with the global warming we have Aligoté with very good maturity and important maturity phenolic very very complete. We have Aligoté with. Uh, uh, very good structure, good, uh, very good balance with good potential.
0: And so when you drink Aligoté dore, do you uh, decant it or do you just pour from the bottle or
2: not, uh, no I not decant, but uh, I open uh, a little moment avant and uh, not and a very uh, fresh temperature. Not very very cold, but a fresh temperature and we are very uh, enjoy wine. Because that's how you
0: might appreciate a
2: good white burgundy too, right? Yes, Like exactly. not too cold. And
0: exactly. Is that because it's harder to get the texture if you do it too cold?
2: Yes, a very good texture. And uh, we have the, a good aroma and uh, the best temperature with uh, 10, uh, 11 degrees. It's very good uh, for me. And uh, it's a wine with a very, very good uh, energy. What's the difference between vinifying Chardonnay and Aligoté? Uh, but Chardonnay, we ferment uh, in barrel, but Aligoté, we ferment a part in barrel and a part in, uh, in vat. It's different.
0: In terms of the, the grapes themselves, does one have more malic acidity or is uh, more sensitive to oxidation? or a Vivacity uh, in the mouth is, uh, is different. I could definitely see that. It doesn't have the weight of Chardonnay, but it has more lift. Yes.
1: Right. So Lafarge makes this singularly unique Aligoté. And there are also some unique aligotés coming out of merceau from Antoine Jobard and Jean-Marc Rouleau. Rouleau's aligoté is unique because he takes the last 10% off the press, the press fraction, or the part of the must that's most prone to oxidation, and he oxidizes it on purpose. It's what some winemakers call brown out, and then Rouleau adds this press fraction back to the rest of the must. So when you have his aligoté, you taste this unique play between fresh, sesty acid and the softer wine you get from brownout methods. He also works his Aligoté in steel, but after talking with Pierre de Benoit in Bouzeron about the Foudre method, Brulot is considering some Aligoté wood experimentation in the future. There's so much variation in the world of Bourgogne Aligoté. Walking through the streets of Bône, The birds chirping, the accordion humming, dozens of people enjoying dinner and conversation out on the sidewalk, the medieval buildings all around, the idea that many people, many previous generations, have lived and died here, have made their lives here. You can still find little gingerbread shops making medieval-style pastries and mustards. Local winemakers have sold their wines here for centuries. There's a sea of grapevines to the north, another sea of vines to the south, and walking through Bone is walking through one of the most important marketplaces for Bourgogne wine. It's an intersection of old stones, old buildings, old recipes, and 21st century people You experience this sense of timelessness, like the fabric of humanity is a closer weave than you previously suspected. And yet, if you pull on just one string, Aligote for instance, you find that the thread is incredibly dynamic. The special Doré selections of Lafarge, de Vilaine de Benoît, the single vineyard bottlings of Pétai, the old school plantings from Pernan, the... The old bottlings of Cortan Aligote hidden in Becky Wasserman's cellar, the rock star bottlings from Rouleau and Jobard, Bard, the pure expressions from Fanny Sabra, and so much more. There's a deep, uncovered respect for this grape variety by some incredibly thoughtful producers. <laughs> So now, let's try it again. What's the first thing you think of when I say, Aligoté? I hope it's more difficult to answer than before. The world of Aligoté and Chardonnay is not as binary as it might seem on the surface. There are Chardonnays out there that might benefit from a little cassis, and there are some boring Aligotés. But when you get into the Aligotés that are made by winemakers who love working with Aligoté, you find an entirely different story. There's another world out there of sublime alligote. Hold the kisses.
0: All drink to that is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose